What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. Todd, how you doing, man? Well, I already told you I'm slightly nervous. Slightly nervous. There's nothing to be nervous about, though. Yeah, I know. And well, it's good to know that you said everybody you podcast with. Not everybody, but everybody. Okay. There's everybody. no. There. It doesn't matter who they are. Everybody's yeah. nervous. All right. It's just so how, that's just how it goes. Yeah. Last time with Ben. Mm-hmm. You know, Is that a little helpful? Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe a lot of helpful. Yeah. A lot of helpful. Yeah. So. We're going to talk a little bit about the A-Zone Backcountry Butcher. Now, you told me you were like, I don't really want to talk about Blacktail, but now that I'm actually at your house and counting out over 20 different Blacktail that you've slayed, because you, after all, you're you're the big Sir Archer, <laughs> right? It's, it's amazing how things like that stick so many years later. <laughs> The good old days of forums. Yeah. So we'll talk about a myriad of different things. I'm really excited. Thank you so much for inviting me over here. Um, I'm really looking forward. We're going to have some dinner after this. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Especially after your two drops this week of cooking with the backcountry butcher. Yeah, I've been busy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should do one. We could, dude. We, we could team up. I'll film it. I don't. I don't want to be in that. <laughs> just let me film it. That's all. You know. But uh, right on, man. They, you know, again, thank you so much, dude. I'm really excited for the opportunity to get to talk to you. And, you know, we'll try to go over some things. We'll see how well it goes or how much of a shit show it turns into. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Absolutely. So, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Legion OST DIY Outdoors Podcast. Today we have Todd, is it Harney? Herney? Harney. Harney. Yeah. Yeah. Just as it's spelled. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to break some ice. <laughs> You're all, no, don't do that. Um, and uh, we're going to dive into a bunch of different things. So first, I mean, you've already been on before, so I'm, I'm so used to just saying, you know, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? But we've done that last year. Yeah, we could just jump right into talking. Yeah. Unless, so, unless you want me to do a little tiny intro. Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. I'm uh, Todd. I uh, grew up in... Oh, fuck. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. I'm feeling like we might have to start this over. Okay, how come? I had a moment of anxiety. Right now? You're right now, I You're am. You're good. Okay. So what's going to happen to this whole part? We can keep it in. <laughs> Usually I keep any any weird stuff, I'll keep it in. Okay. I mean, but we could stop and edit it out right now. Mm, I don't know. Let's just let's just keep going. Let's just keep it going, dude. Just All rolling. Right. So yeah, I'm Todd. Uh, I'm from Carmel Valley, California. Grew up there hunting with my dad and my grandpa and, you know, friends, mm-hmm. small community. Yeah. Lots of guys hunting. Yeah. Uh, when you grow up in a place, you kind of naturally, well, third generation in the area, actually. So you get some good places to hunt. Yeah. And, and you've got nation- roots, too. Yeah. And there's national forest close by. So plenty of national forest down there. 
Uh, so really, I just was born into it, I guess you could say. And, yeah. Um, have been lucky enough to, uh, you know, have good success over the years. And that buck that you shot that's on your wall when you were 13? Yeah. What the fuck? Good success? That's like a buck of a lifetime. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> And I think I think having having success like that, like yeah. a buck like that early yeah. on, and uh, I mean I still don't have have that kind of buck. That's insane, right? But you got to realize, I mean, uh, my dad was, you know, doing the backpack hunting thing mm-hmm. for for mule deer um, back in the seventies and eighties. So crazy. And it's and basically the same thing as what we're doing now, but um, and what a lot of people are are doing now, but with you know just less stuff. So yeah. you had to be a little tougher back then. Yeah, and, and carry so that's more kind of, That's kind of the way I was brought into it. Yeah, drinking straight out of the stream, no filter needed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, we did that a lot, and so yeah, you find success and you kind of learn learn the hard way of doing it yeah. and, and real I realized at a young age that uh the harder it was yeah. the more success we found and ultimately the more fun things were uh-huh so yeah been been kind of snowballing on that ever since so you got to do a pretty awesome hunt with your dad and your brother this year mhm and your brother was pretty successful during that hunt yeah and that was blacktail mhm so that was all a zone yeah Right. Yeah. So, what was that hunt like? Well, that's a that's a hunt that, you know, my dad and I for sure have. We've always been out there together. Yeah. For the first weekend of A Zone Archery, and it's always what is it the second Saturday in July? Yeah. Um, right after the Fourth of July, usually. Yeah. And we we're in in Mendocino County, and uh, but this year, the past year, my brother's been shooting his bow more and getting more into it. Although, you know, he's killed bucks with his bow yeah. before, but it's always been those, you know, super easy ones. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he, he joined us this season and it was kind of like, you know, we wanted to see him get one. Yeah. And so, uh, so were you guys doing like a spot and stock or still hunting or, oh, uh, we were, we were heading up this ridge midday to a spot that we like to, hang out in the trees and glass the evening and there yeah. it's one of those you know little saddles up on this ridge and trails coming through and we've hunted this place enough years to know that it's kind of like the best buckiest spot it produces yeah and we were so but you got to go up this madrone ridge and it's july and Ugh. you know the deep madrones yeah and so you just have to walk so slow for so far and basically tiptoe all the way up this ridge to get into this spot um and we were just kind of getting up into that bucky area and sure enough we're tiptoeing along and in a single file line and i see a buck uh, up in some some fir trees Mm-hmm. and ferns on the ground it's that kind of country mm-hmm. stand up and i just kind of uh see here here's where i feel like a lot of people miss opportunities mm-hmm. you see a buck stand up and he's within 50 yards or whatever and uh the absolute worst thing you can do is go into a full scramble panic mode yeah because 
the deer just wants to stand up and see what's going on until he has a reason to leave. Make a decision so to get out of So don't give him there. a damn reason to leave. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I just stopped and as calm as I could, I just put my hand back and kind of grabbed my brother by the shoulder, by the mm-hmm. shirt, and I said, just knock an arrow and step right in front of me. And he put an arrow on, stepped right in front of me. I said, you see it, right? He's like, yeah, I see. I said, just stay calm. Treat it like a 3D target. Yeah. And I ranged it for him. It may have been a little bit further. I think it was I think it was high 50s. Yeah. Um, and uh, he drew back. And watching the deer, you know, he wasn't quivering or on edge or, or anything. So I just told him at full draw, I said, just take another breath and treat it like a 3D target. Yeah. And... And he, he drilled it. So all three of you guys and yeah, my dad How and my cool dad standing that? right in the back. No yeah. way! Oh my god, dude, that's like a lifetime opportunity for your dad. Yeah, probably. just to get to watch the whole thing go down. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. I that was the first time that all three of us um, had killed a buck together. I think since my brother's first deer uh-huh. when we were both in high school. Really? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. What was that like? Was that your brother's first? That was his first deer, you said? Oh, yeah. That was, uh, he drew this, you know, a junior late season tag for um, Hunter Liggett. Yeah. And we had a football game in Gonzales Friday night. So we had all our stuff loaded and went down to Hunter Liggett Mm -hmm. after that. And and the next morning, it was one of those late deals. So the bucks are rutting a bit. Yeah. And um, A zone rut. Yeah. And. It was, like I mentioned before, he's killed some bucks, and they've been kind of easy ones. So uh, it was one of those deals where we were driving along, and he was up on the hillside, and we spotted him from the truck, and he got out and went off the road and shot him. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nothing wrong with of that. Of course, yeah, but my brother, there's always got to be something extra. So yeah. it was one of those deals. He, he hit it high. It went down. We got up to it, and it was still kind of needed another one. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the big brother I am, I took control of the situation. <laughs> I said, Stu, just go up real slow, put your barrel on the back of his neck at the at the base and, and just touch one off on him. Just like we used to shoot the hogs with, you know, with pistols with the dogs, just touch it to him and let him yeah. have it. But he, uh, he went ahead and raised up from about 10 yards out and shot it from behind and just folded the horns. Through the back of the head. Just right along the top of the skull. <laughs> Buckled him. No! <laughs> yeah, and that's what I said, but him being his first buck, he's like, what, it's still a buck? <laughs> hey, I didn't care how white it was. You can't, yeah, you can't You can't knock that. I mean, yeah. that's... And especially, well, nowadays, if we still have the, the antlers, there's so many different places where you can get, like, plastic skulls and all the different kind of things and put the antlers on Oh, that. yeah. No, he's not even worried about that. I, I'm pretty sure we took it home and tie-wired it together, and it probably hasn't been touched since. <laughs> Wherever it's hanging, yeah. it's hanging there. That's awesome. So you're relatively elusive, right, about posting anything on social media. Like, you post your buck pictures and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, but prior to there actually being a serious social media, you're pretty big on the forums. Yeah. Like back in the day. Yeah, the forums were fun. Yeah. Everybody, I mean, you could type whatever you wanted. There was no picture unless you posted one. Right. Yeah, and uh, 
a lot of good sense of community and yeah. and it's you know it's changed a lot since then right so many products being pushed and, and whatever else but um yeah i started going on those forums back when i was in i think i was a sophomore in high school really yeah because we had computer lab yeah so that's what you do to your computer oh yeah yeah they're like <laughs> okay, learn we're about gonna, hunting <laughs> it's either um it's either sit there and play that little Pac-Man thing that goes around and crunches prime numbers. Oh my god! Uh-huh. Or uh, <laughs> Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail. Is or I could go game. on this. You could hunt in I Oregon go... Trail, though. That was like one of the best parts of the game. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I was always I I decided I liked the hunting forums. Yeah. So. Uh, what was your What was your hunting forum name? For everybody that. Used to use hunting forums that. Oh yeah, well I I always signed myself up as Big Sir Archer. Mm-hmm. Kind of one of those things where it's like you 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 remember your first email I was re- probably well, one of those just kind of ridiculous. I remember things. Big Sir Archer and Jess's hunting forums. Yeah, back in the day, I'm pretty sure, or one of them. Yeah, yeah, I I I like to go on that one, and then and then that Blacktail Country one. Uh huh. Which is kind of cool because. You know, even though I don't really bother with all of that anymore, yeah, I'm still friends with half a number of guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I see people that I met on there quite a bit and Mm -hmm. hang out and have good friends that came from it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how you know, and I mean, I guess you could say that's how I got introduced to Doug was through, yeah, through those forums and back in the day, pre-social media, Instagram. Yeah, everything. I guess it's it's just a good thing that I never went to meet a friend off of there and disappeared you know, in the woods yeah. forever. End <laughs> <laughs> up buried in a ditch someplace. <laughs> your buck stolen from you? Yeah. Right? Right? So you're a pretty prolific hunter, obviously. We've kind of already covered a little bit of it. Um, let's talk about some A-zone blacktail hunting. Because, like I said in the beginning, you look in the rafters of this of your garage that we're in right now and like there's tons of bucks so your goal was 30 bucks by the time you were 30 yeah just kind of a, a lightweight thing I, I counted them up one day and i'm like oh man maybe I'm by close. the maybe by the time i'm 30 i can have 30 of these things yeah and i did that and you're i mean like you've done a pretty good job on uh on, on what? Lining them up nice and straight? That too. <laughs> that too, for sure. For sure. So Yeah, no, blacktails. Because um, I'm so for it's me. That's what like, I grew up on. Yeah, I, so I've never, like, mind you, I grew, I grew up in A zone, right? Yeah. Marin County, Sonoma County. I've never hunted blacktail. Like, uh, in the sense of, like, actually going to public land in A zone to go chase around blacktails. I've just never done it. I've always hunted the Sierras. So I don't have that, like... Yeah, they're a little different. It's a, I think it's a different hunt. Yeah. Completely different hunt. Yeah, it's real different. Than in, hunting I mean, the Sierras. first of all, A-Zone, gosh, the time of year. It's 110 degrees out. Yeah. Not fun. No, I, I mean, I think it is fun. <laughs> Just because it's so unique. Yeah. And for sure it is. It's not fun to really do anything when it's 110, so you might as well be buck hunting. Right. Uh, and Hopefully of course the, the when they're in velvet, cool. just like every most other 
critters in velvet. They're easier to find. Yeah. But I can't stand the velvet. Look at these. No. Look at these nasty. Any, any yeah. buck that I kill in velvet, I, I peel the velvet off like a banana while I'm, while I'm, gut, while I'm cleaning it. I'll just Oh, right there on the spot? Right there on the spot. Because you can take the blood from the carcass and you mix it with dirt and rub it all over the antlers and then it turns the horns brown. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you kill them, you know, being that early in July and you can bend the tips over yeah. almost 90 degrees. Really? Mm-hmm. I've yeah. never done that. Yeah, that one my brother shot uh, last year. It had a big, uh, heavy main beam on it, uh-huh. and, and it, you know it was all rounded, and you could it was squishy underneath there. Really? Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Yeah. Have you seen that big picture? That picture of that big blacktail that got killed, and all of its horn tips curl in. No, I don't think I've seen that. Anyways, there's a picture that got floated around for a while, and I wonder if somehow that was part of how that happened. Could be there. Yeah. They're cool. They're cool critters, and yeah. of course, like I was starting to say, um, grew up hunting them and and had good places to hunt. Yeah, you know, a number of these are are uh, public land bucks too, but having a good spot to go bow hunt where you know you're going to be on some bucks every almost time you every go, time. Yeah, uh, that definitely helps. Helps for sure, <laughs> for sure. Like a lot, I guess. Yeah. So, for you, what would you say when you're looking for a spot to go out and hunt for blacktail? Like, primarily, what are you looking for? Um, well, when it's hot, of course, they want to be in the shade. They seem to like to, you know, feed at first light mm-hmm. and last light. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to be somewhere that it's breezy. Right. But at the same time, I've... Uh, well, so where we go usually, yeah, we're we're looking at north facing slopes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're typically the the cooler side of the hill with more trees, for sure. Um, rocky outcroppings on steep slopes at higher elevations relative to the areas you know around yeah. it. They're usually at the tops of the hills, and um, I don't know, just. Sometimes you just have to look at country through your binos and you pick out what looks like the the buckiest looking stuff and it usually is. Yeah, when it's kind of I feel like in in a lot of circumstances it's almost like natural like you're just drawn to an area because you look at it and you're like that looks yeah. that looks bucky. No, honestly that's a hard question to answer. Yeah. And I kind of stumbled on it because, No. well and I haven't I haven't really looked for new areas and a zone to hunt in a lot of years yeah you know you, you get your handful of spots picked out yeah and uh they always you know they always produce so yeah do you I'm, spend I'm not time the, i'm not the kind of guy to just keep bouncing around all over the place yeah. when i know that i can go to this one spot and it's going to be good it's going to produce yeah yeah do you scout or do you i mean i guess used to scout, sounds like used, you don't used, have to used to scout a lot yeah, yeah. um back in high school and in the the few years following when mm-hmm. when I lived close to the hunting areas and had more free time and did yeah. the trail camera thing and was always picking up sheds and always out there watching them and you definitely have a big bin of sheds next to us right yeah, now yeah yeah there's that big bin over there and I 
probably haven't added but a handful of new ones in the past 10 years. Really? Yeah. How crazy. Yeah, well, you just start branching out a little bit and, and doing going out of things. state and yeah. killing some nice mule deer. And yeah. um, then it's kind of like I just want to spend my extra time and days on, you know, saving saving up my time to be able to go do the big, you know, yeah. good trip somewhere. Right. Well, I mean, you look at the mule deer... You look at the mule deer that you that you have in here, and in in other parts of your house that are full mounts. I mean, these are skull. These are just skulls that yeah. you power that you pressure washed, and like these are these are better than almost all my mule deer I've ever shot. That's insane, man. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know if it's uh, good spots or luck or, uh huh. you know, I kind of just do the same thing, thing every single time yeah. and just kind of, you know, you, you, uh, you put in the work during your hunt uh-huh. and repeat what's worked in the past. And by the end of the hunt, it's just like every time I end up with one like that. Yeah. So before we switch into mule deer, because we're definitely going to get into your mule deer and, and your out-of-state stuff, for you, what are you, what do you run? Like, if you're going to go into A-Zone, like, what are you looking at for gear you want to use for someone? And this is for someone who might be listening that's, that's looking into getting into A-Zone, that maybe has never hunted before or never hunted California blacktail before. Uh-huh. You know, like what what kind of gear are you running to to combat the conditions? Rattle whether it's rattlesnakes or the, the heat or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, not uh, well, not much. Uh huh. You know, just because it's so hot. But yeah, uh, I wear the Tiburon pants. Yeah, every single time. Yeah. Um, I prefer the lightest weight, our one twenty five merino shirts. Yeah. And they can even still run a little on the warm side. Right. It's just the merino is nice for when you're sweating and you want to wear the same shirt. Now, a couple days in a row. Do you do you prefer the merino shirt to the Tiburon shirt? Mm-hmm. When you're and why is that? Yeah, I just uh, I just like the softer feel fabric on your skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's funny because personal I was, preference. No, well, I was talking to a guy earlier today. And he was saying the exact same thing. He prefers the merino when he's a zone hunting to the Tiburon shirt because it's better on his skin and it's better for wicking wicking away sweat. As to where like he'll sweat in the Tiburon and it doesn't necessarily wick away. It's his skin stays. Yeah, sometimes it'll it'll stay feeling kind of clammy or whatever. Moist. Plus, um, merino just. Once you got a good one that you yeah. used for a few years, broken and, it in. <laughs> yeah, they're they're uh, everything's better when it's broken in. Once, Seriously, once though. you got one that you have a few holes in, yeah, the uh, the sheen is just there's there's no sheen. It's so muted. Yeah, and I think that um, you know I'm not I'm not the hugest guy on uh, camouflage. Yeah, as far as one to say that it's a must have or it, or you need it to. Uh, Highly increase yeah. your odds of success, <laughs> but bow hunting these these uh, these blacktails. Yeah, I feel like you need every advantage you can. And, right, and if it's less sheen on your 
on your clothing, uh, and I find that in the merino, I'll go with the merino. For sure. Something that I've found is like, um, I've done a lot of like UV spray, like it kills the UV oh, really? reflectiveness in my clothing. Because like, I look at like a lot of like all my old family photos, uh-huh. and they're all using like old worn out Levi's and like flannels and stuff like that. And there's no UV reflective qualities in it. Oh, right? and maybe I'm taking it. Maybe I'm taking it to another level on on some like. Oh, you are. I don't want any UV, re, you know, yeah. reflectiveness on my clothing because the sun bright, the the sun bounces off of it so bright. Right. Yeah. Now that. But I feel like for me. Yeah. For me, you don't even that, pay for me, to that's it. just going a little too extreme. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. It, totally, but it's it's funny. But there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no I know. Well, Thank I get you. it, but like, so what you're talking about is you're using old, worn out clothes, which, in yeah, it doesn't. And I, I shouldn't say worn out. Uh, yeah, worn in. Yeah, worn in. There you go. That's a good way to put it, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's just something about hunting gear that's got some battle scars on it. <laughs> for sure, it's good, especially if it's got like some good solid blood stains in it that like. Maybe you haven't fully washed. Away yeah, yet. whatever it is, just. Yeah. So, do you backpack into a zone, or do you have a base camp? Uh, we we've back we backpack in down oh. on the coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I haven't hunted down there uh, in quite a. In hey, everybody! Andy just grabbed his coffee cup and tried to take a big old sip, and there was nothing in it. <laughs> there's just <laughs> there's just a little splash in the bottom. <laughs> I got half of it. Uh, yeah, my dad and I, so that's kind of when I first um, was getting into to backpack hunting is we used to go backpack in mm-hmm. uh, down Monterey County. Yeah. And my dad would take me and um, did good. That uh, that four and three all the way on my end over here, mm-hmm. I think that was my first kind of pack in that's black a slug, tail. dude. Yeah, that was a cool one. That was uh, right up above... You know, on the coast, like when I shot him, you could hear the echo of sea lions barking from down below. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my God. But it was all, the buck was hanging out on the fog line. You hunt that fog line and it's usually pretty good. Yeah. Um, Anymore though, I'm like I kind of mentioned, Yeah. as far as taking the time to go backpack in someplace, I'd prefer to do it elsewhere. You'd prefer to do it out of state. Out of state, or you maybe know, even uh, in the maybe Sierras, up go up there, into, or, or in the B zone. Yeah, uh, A zone. It's just if I can, like I said, if I can go to one of those handful of other spots, and yeah. it's gonna be good. Yeah, I'm not gonna blow a bunch of time. So, for you, what would you say the biggest difference is between a mule deer archery hunt and a and a blacktail archery hunt? Oh, and like, is, is there one like bigger you, mountains? Yeah. Better weather. Right. Talking on the mule deer side. Yeah. Uh, pretty much always more deer, uh-huh. more bucks. <laughs> Easy, Especially if you're out of state. Yeah. Easier terrain to stock in. Um, usually prettier views than a zone. Of course, <laughs> you can take know, a zone for granted. Hunting on the coast in the fog line sounds kind of amazing. That's true. If if some guy from Colorado who's all 
always hunted yeah. up in the always hunted that kind of country high country yeah. came out and, and did some a zone blacktail on the coast he'd probably be pretty blown away yeah for sure uh yeah just i i feel like if you're gonna pack in on public land and go bow hunt for deer just the overall feeling of that your odds of success are so much higher in a decent you know good to decent mule deer area mm-hmm. versus blacktail even if there's a lot of blacktail yeah man the things are just tough to kill yeah with a bow well, it's a ghost of the coast yeah they just disappear out there and it's loud and like you know everything's dry but you still get them mm-hmm. you know you, you do put in your <laughs> i don't <laughs> You will. One day. Yeah. If I hunt A-Zone. Yeah, you'll get them. Yeah. So, what would you say some of the items are for you that you can utilize on both hunts, right? For, like, a crossover, right? Like, cool. I can use my Tiburon pants on a blacktail hunt, and I can use them on a, on a mule deer hunt for archery, right? Is there, like, what, what would be, is there any other specific types or oh, yeah it's, i mean it's all it's all the same stuff uh the only thing that's going to change is well how much insulation you have yeah how how heavy the gear is or, yeah yeah uh, which which layering pieces you're gonna bring on your mule deer hunt that you wouldn't in a zone but other than i mean my pack is has the same stuff in it what do you no matter what's your I pack go. weight usually run like if you're gonna pack in somewhere on a on an archery mule deer hunt, yeah, we we uh, we weighed them one time <laughs> at the trailhead, and we were packed for for five days for mule deer, and mine was 29 pounds. I don't think I had I didn't have any water in it yet. Uh huh. Yeah, 29 were you pounds. Were gonna find water out? In yeah, the field? yeah, we were going up in this area we'd been before. So, um, are you filtering water or? if it just, feels like it's needed yeah but usually you just dunk and take a sip that's yeah, how i've always yeah if it's, if it's, i've never had a water filter i still don't have a water filter like for me anytime that i was getting water it's like oh here's a creek fill my thing up and drink it all right i'm good i'm safe i'll fill it again yeah if it doesn't seem like there's cattle or a lot of bears in there or something yeah I'll usually, bears be gross usually just fill up with it but yeah. at the same time um it's so easy just to filter it mm-hmm. that if you ever got sick you th- realize how big of an idiot you'd feel like for just not filtering it yeah especially if you have a filter in your pack yeah like no one would feel bad for you yeah right, right. yeah my filter is in my pack but i just drank it anyway <laughs> now and i got giardia and i'm shitting my brains ben out. is uh ben is really picky about his water uh-huh so it's not like <laughs> doing our water fill-ups and not filtering it is saving a bunch of time because you still got to wait for ben to go through his ritual so you might as well do it anyway yeah, yeah yeah i mean he doesn't even he can't he won't do the steri pen thing won't do the tablets it's got to be filtered uh, with zero particulate really yeah so what is he using to pump his water with yeah one of those hand pump msrs i think he uh-huh. uses with a screen on the end he oh, really yeah, gets it's, after it's, a, it. it's a whole ritual one time we yeah. filled up in this this uh kind of lake pond thing in colorado 
and there was a bunch of tadpoles in it. <laughs> and he kept on trying to pump that thing, and his little uh, his little filter screen was floating. And every time he pumped it, all the tadpoles would get sucked up, and <laughs> it took him so long. He, he was cussing the tadpoles in his headlamp because they were drawn to his headlamp. It was at night, uh. and they kept swarming around. And then he'd run over to a new spot and try and fill up, and they'd swarm back over there. He just there. didn't decide to turn his light off. Yeah, I'm over there just drinking tadpoles, laughing at him. <laughs> Did you give birth to any frogs? No, no, I don't think so. Not that trip? I gave birth to something fierce on that trip, but I don't think it was a frog. What were you eating, Mountain House? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it. How many oh. days strong? We are probably, I think we did seven nights on that one. So how many Mountain House meals would that, equip to, would that break into in a day? Just one? Just one. Just one Mountain House oh, a day really? anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we used to do Mountain House for... Breakfast, Bre- lunch, and dinner. Breakfast and dinner, and then a few extra for some lunches. Yeah. And by the end of that, I mean... It's like disgusting. Yeah. You're fuming Mountain House out yeah. of your pores. You wake up in the morning in your sleeping bag, and it's like, oh yeah, I had the spaghetti for dinner. <laughs> I could smell <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> Way better when you're with other people all in their own tents, though, because then you can all kind of laugh about it. Yeah. So... Speaking of tents, do you take like a, a one-man tent or do you do like a two-person tent? Uh, it depends. Used to, well, if it's um, growing up, we never took any tents. You just sleep on a roll. Yeah. Or would you not even do a roll? We would take, uh, you know, the foam, the foam, thin uh-huh. foam uh, thermarest roll-ups. Yeah, yeah. Bring one of those, a sleeping bag, handful of peanut butter and jellies, and maybe a... a a Gatorade. Gatorade's so good on the mountain. And then go and pack in. Yeah. And even if it's middle of October and if it's going to storm. Yeah. Well, we'll just find somewhere to get out of it. Yeah. That's, for me, that's something that I totally do. Like, I always, I'll leave an ice cold Gatorade in my truck. So no matter what, when I get back to my truck, whatever hunt, like if it's a couple days or a day or a couple hours... I've always got an ice cold Gatorade because there's nothing better mm. than an ice cold Gatorade. Dang. That's because you don't drink Coors Lights. I don't drink Coors Lights. That is definitely a fact. Yeah, Bad that's, things that's, happen that's, when that's I a, drink Coors yeah, Lights. Yeah, that's a pretty good one to come back to the truck to. Yeah. But I can see Gatorade being the same. Do you ever just pull up to a trailhead and bury some beer in a snowbank and then come back and get it at the end of the trip and have some good beers? No. Oh. No. Well, shit. Yeah, don't. I guess I just don't pack in enough when it's. See now, in my head, snowing. I'm sitting here trying to promote drinking and driving because that's a good oh. idea. That's a bad idea. Don't drink the beers at the end of the trip when you get back to the truck. No, just uh, smell them or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretend like they aren't there. This didn't happen. Do I edit this out? I don't. But yeah, back to the tents. Um, I'll bring a. I, I like to bring the two-person tent now. Yeah. Just for and, and use it for myself. Are you and you're using the Kuyu? What's that? The uh, Mountain the Star. The Mountain Star or the Summit Refuge is pretty sweet. Too. Have you used that? Yeah. Tell me about that. Just I mean, and I'm asking out of sheer ignorance. I haven't gotten to play with it, and that's like your only item that I don't. Oh yeah, we uh, play with. So I took one to Colorado in in 2015, I think, and it was one of the first. You know, early on. Yeah, design. when it was still in. And it's still basically the same. Yeah. And uh, ran it floorless. 
and tons of space. Really? Yeah, there was enough space that uh, one night Were you it was doing, like, it jumping was, jacks and exercises. No, not that crazy. But there was one night it was real stormy and it was early in the night and we all, all three of us, my dad Ben and I, uh, all went into that one and had dinner with no floor. Yeah, no so, floor, big enough for us to all. And, but and then it's really light too. Now in a storm with no floor, what is that like? How do you protect? I guess against. Water coming in from every direction. Oh, I mean, water still comes yeah. in. And oh, if, okay. if you're on a slope, it'll yeah. kind of run past you. But uh, on that hunt, it stormed, you know, rained quite a bit at night. Yeah. And I would just take and dig a little trench with a stick. Around your sleeping bag. Yeah, just divert the water on through. <laughs> not not the end of the world. Do you guys do any, like, stick If I was that races? worried about it, I'd yeah. go stay in a hotel. Right. Seriously, though. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, no, we uh, we we totally could have got in there and had stick races down through the tent. That's terrible. Um, <laughs> but geez, you fall asleep, you get warm, you fall asleep. Doesn't matter if some good. stuff's a little wet because yeah. you're gonna get up the next morning and go walk through it all anyway. Get wet anyway. Yeah. Right. I I don't know. Nothing wrong with being slightly uncomfortable. I think it's good for you. Right. So when you're out of state on an archery hunt, or for for that matter, on a rifle hunt. And you're like looking at your areas for mule deer. Yeah. What are you looking for? Is there anything in particular that you're looking for? Or like, are you looking for a water source or a food source or? Just as far as glassing yeah, from when a you're good sit- glassing spot? Yeah, when you're on a good glassing spot. Oh, I'm looking for bucks. You're just looking for bucks. And wherever you <laughs> find them, that's all that matters. Well, looking looking for bucks. And if you don't see bucks, looking for spots where you think a buck is and you yeah. just don't see them yet. And because they haven't gotten up yet. Yeah, that's usually the that's usually it. Or yeah. Usually we'll go into an area and, of course, either been there before or have heavily scouted it on Google Earth or have gotten some intel from somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, so usually we're not setting up to glass in a spot that's so random we don't even know if there could or should or is or are animals bucks in there. Yeah. And uh, usually we'll go in and set up a little sneaky camp somewhere that nobody or no animals are really going to see us or mm-hmm. smell us or hear us. And then have some glassing spots picked out. And um, and that's shoot. Sometimes, sometimes we'll sit in glass from the same spot when you can see enough country yeah. for two, three days before oh, starting really? to feel. Yeah, before starting to feel. And like, oh, maybe we should try somewhere else. That's what I, I think um, people are too quick to move on uh-huh. from certain spots. I mean, or that's spend, patience, Or spend man. too much time out hiking around. Yeah. And not enough time just sitting there and for a couple days, maybe from the same spot. Make yeah. sure it's a nice, comfortable one where you can see a lot or, or just a, <laughs> two or three spots within a all within a short quarter, walk. half mile of each other. Yeah. Get a just, lot of get a lot of good terrain coverage and just look at the same stuff over and over and over and over in a rotation and usually um, usually something shows itself and you just go kill it right get after it yeah is that is that what it was like this year when you guys did uh, your hunt in California well we had actually had a chance to scout that quite a bit oh okay which was nice yeah. Um, yeah, that that was good. I spent more time scouting 
last year for that hunt than it's been in a lot of years. So that made it really fun Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, not that far from here and really nice area to go and um, pretty big unit with a very wide range of terrain. So to narrow down exactly which stuff we wanted to focus on took a few trips and then by the time the hunt came around, it was kind of, um, you know, try and go find some of the particular bucks we'd seen and yeah, and try and kill them. So which we did. And if if I understood it correctly, you kind of coined a phrase, right? And that's ultralight truck hunting. Oh yeah, we were ultralight truck hunting on that one. So explain <laughs> explain ultralight truck hunting to me because I like this. I like this a lot. Yeah, well, it's uh, basically we went up there and we had all our really, we're so used to just going out of state and backpacking in someplace. So we bring an ice chest, we bring our backpacking stuff and backpacking food, and that's pretty much it. But up on this hunt, um, we realized that the best bucks that we had seen in, in the months of scouting. Yeah. Uh, were close enough to just hunt from the truck, you mm-hmm. know, an hour walk in the morning, and you're, not even back, and you don't want to go any closer. Yeah, and so we're up there and basically living in turnouts, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> sleeping on yeah, the side sleep, of the road, sleeping, next to the sleeping next to our truck, yeah. on our mattress yeah. without any tent. That's so great. Uh, eating backpacking food next <laughs> to the truck. I can relate to that. I've done Peanut that before. I have a bed yeah. in my truck, so I totally am like, if I have the opportunity to sleep at my truck and only hike like an hour or two in the morning, yeah, I feel like that's not a bad deal. No, it's not a bad deal. But it's like there's so much more like you kinda, amenities. It's just different doing it that way when you're not used to it. We're yeah. like, man, we feel like idiots. We could have, we could have totally brought a nice big tent and yeah. uh, an actual propane stove and, and a grill all the stuff that we have at home yeah and we're up there barbecue. we're up there basically backpack hunting <laughs> next to the truck <laughs> so we called it ultralight truck hunting uh-huh. but that's another thing man uh a lot of people hiking along hiking along ways in um passing bucks dude yeah we Good see bucks. we yeah we we see it in nevada uh, uh-huh People just wanting to go so far back, and and they're hiking right in Colorado too, where I killed my buck. Uh, the big one that you pulled out of the freezer. Yeah, yeah. I mean that thing was back up in there a ways, but still, mm-hmm. uh, people want to get up to the real pristine far back yeah. stuff. And you, you don't have and, to. and you glass around the trails, and people are literally hiking past bedded bucks, and the bucks don't care because they know that the people aren't. You're just going to see them. Yeah. yeah. That's so crazy. And and it's funny, I was talking to, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the guy, uh, John Stallone, but he always talks about that as well. Like, there's like a section that nobody hunts because everybody is so drawn to like the, the quote unquote glory of backcountry hunting. And, and I feel like in the last maybe few more, in the last few years, it's become way more glorified and way more popular. So everybody is missing this huge amount of, I guess, front country or mid country yeah. where there's tons of animals and nobody's going there and they're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say if that is true everywhere or yeah. to what extent yeah. it's true, but we've definitely seen it yeah. in a number of places. Yeah. Uh, and so those are the spots that you ultralight truck hunt. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to do some more of this ultralight truck hunting. I guess that's what Anthony and I did this year in in, uh, in Utah. We were staying at a trailhead yeah. at our trucks, and we were hiking in two two and a half hours in the morning. But at the end of the day, we were getting back to a propane barbecue and barbecuing up an entire meal and right having a good time. And it's it's. I think it's nice to do if if the better bucks Mm -hmm. are within that zone based on your, your scouting. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I still would prefer to load a pack for X number of days and go in and stay and just be in there deep and, and do that whole thing. Yeah. Um, it just kind of turned out. And and like I said, we were totally prepared to do that up on this California hunt, but that's not, uh, that's not, the way it panned out based on yeah based, based on, on where research. we started finding them how many days did you guys spend do you think in the field scouting well shoot um austin was up there probably on three or four different trips austin's a maniac yeah like that dude is like he had a good year this year yeah he yeah. was he was almost living up there for a little while yeah and then i made uh, i think two two full weekend scouting trips so we, you know, we had it pretty figured out. Yeah. By the time no, still, all around. No, it's a big zone. We we had the areas that we had looked at pretty, pretty figured, figured out. out. Yeah, yeah. For sure. There's still a lot of country that we would have liked to see, but you know how it goes. You can't see everything. Yeah, for sure. That's So basically what I just did is I saved it. So just in case something happens, oh. it's saved up to that point. Okay. And then we could try to recollect our thoughts and start over. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I guess. <laughs> It'd suck. I did a podcast today with a couple guys. And uh, I did a podcast with them prior on a different computer. And the computer crashed at two hours and 45 minutes into the podcast. And I'd oh. been saving it the whole time. Oh. But it deleted the file completely. Ooh. Yeah. Thanks. Apple, I yeah. appreciate you. So, on the California hunt, you guys got into some pretty good bucks. All three. Yeah, yeah, pretty good California bucks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, was it one of these bucks? It was. Uh, no. Yeah, that bottom one over there. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a good buck. Yeah, yeah, I was really happy with that buck. Uh, I thought that he, I actually thought that he was a different one that mm-hmm. we had scouted that was a bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that thing nets 166 and change. I measured him up. and That's a great California buck. Yeah. I mean, yeah. his eye guards are retarded. I was totally pumped on that buck. And the one that Ben killed was super nice. Yeah. Uh, that one Austin shot was was right in, right in between them. So now when you got on this buck, you were looking into... You were looking at a pretty decent distance... Well, I, I saw this buck the night before I killed him. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, there's just nothing better than watching one in the evening. Uh-huh. Maybe there's time to go kill him. Yeah. But kind of like I mentioned with my brother earlier, yeah. uh, 
you don't do anything to screw it up. Yeah. So kind of limited on time. Yeah. Do do the the mental calculation. Nope. Nope. I would risk screwing it up if I went after him now. Yeah. And they're always back there in the morning anyway. Right. Not always, but well, you can you usually count them on there. them. Yeah. yeah. And at least I still had a few days left too, so yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like last day or last couple of days. So, um, spotted him. Yeah, before dark, over on this hillside, a couple ridges away. Uh, hiked back out, called Austin because Austin was gonna he had gone home. He was gonna be headed to Colorado for his antelope hunt. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, Austin, I found I found a pretty good one. Found a shooter. Yeah. I'm going to go kill him in the morning if you want to come, come back, back up, up and mountain. meet us. and Because yeah. uh, it was set up to where I could go all the way up in there myself mm-hmm. and try and find him and shoot him. And Austin and Ben could stay down on the bottom end and just, um, you know, watch it all unfold. But yeah. the ridge I wanted to get to was a little bit close and I didn't want three of us and... I wanted to just Three's hike. Up. a lot of people when yeah, you get in. Yeah, yeah, and I just wanted to hike up there fast, get set up well before daylight, mm-hmm. and uh, let the sun creep up and show him to me. And there he was. Yeah, I kind of had a hard time finding him actually. Oh, really? It was like five hundred and about five fifty across the way there, and in, in that timber and yeah. Um, the sun was coming up on the backside of that ridge. Oh wow, were you getting a lens flare on that, or a, like a a scope? It, it flare? was yeah, it was kind of a pain to glass into. Yeah, uh, and it took me it took me a little while to find it. It's a pretty big area. Yeah, like a big hillside full of timber. Yeah, and um, eventually, yeah, spotted him in there feeding and laid down on my pack and let him have it. What kind? What caliber rifle are you shooting? That two seventy Weatherby. Oh really? I love that thing. It's just a beast. Uh, yeah, I, I shoot the hundred and twenty nine grain Barnes LRX out of it. Do you reload? Uh huh. You do. Yeah. Oh they, okay. And those things, I've got them shooting uh, thirty four hundred and sixty feet per second. Laser like beam. That. Yeah. Wow. What's so? What's your drop on that at like five hundred? Well, I I don't have my MOA chart memorized. Right. But not a lot. Yeah. And it really doesn't... I, I don't do it for trajectory mm-hmm. purposes just because with the dial on the scope... See, I've that, never that used a dial, so I don't know anything about how to use a dial on a scope. I always just done holdover. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, you should probably switch that up. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should. I'll agree. Yeah. But I like to just shoot that that light lighter weight, mm-hmm. solid copper bullet... Um, really fast. Yeah, and I've shot, you know, caribou with it. I with solid I, copper, with no problems. Yeah, yeah. Those those Barnes bullets are good. Really? Yeah. And are you? Hitting I just the feel like you, you have, hitting the. Pocket? I feel like you have to shoot them fast. Yeah. Um, hitting them wherever you know. Mm-hmm. A couple caribou. I killed that bull elk over there with that round. I've shot a quite a few deer with it now. Um. Never, really, never. And I know we've run I into love, problems. I love that me caliber. And, me and my dad have run into problems with uh, with the copper, with a lot of copper, hmm. and just getting straight pass throughs without well, with no expansion. Uh, early on, like with some of the earlier copper bullets um, or some of the newer stuff, it might be earlier. I'd have to look. I mean, yeah, I think they've I think they've come a long way. That uh-huh. that LRX they 
Well, first of all, big ballistic coefficient. Yeah. So, you know, momentum and all that stuff. But they also are starting to get the get them dialed in where they open bigger at slower speeds. Yeah. So the expansion on this LRX is uh, considerably better than, say, the triple shock. They made that triple shock, which was, and then they did a ballistic tip triple shock. And yeah. I had good success with that one, too. But, yeah, this, this new one is sweet. And which, what's it called? The Barnes LRX. The Barnes LRX. Mm-hmm. Out of a 270 Weatherby. I'm going to have to look into those. That's I like like them. Yeah. I like them. Well, I mean, so especially now with next year being, or I guess this year, next season, everything statewide has to be copper in the state of California, whether it's A zone, D zone, or X zone across the board. Yeah. So I know a lot of people uh, gripe about that and stuff, and I would too if I didn't like... If you, you didn't, didn't have, have a so good much, copper, but I've already been. You have a solid option. Yeah, already. yeah. So I have to I've been read, liking them. Like my three hundred Savage, uh-huh. I have to redo all my loads. And when I when I develop my load that I use for my three hundred Savage, that God, that was in two thousand and twelve or two thousand eleven. Uh-huh. I made one hundred and fifty rounds for my three hundred Savage, so I'd never have to reload again for it. Right? Just, oh. Just finished it out. It was good. Everything yeah. was good. I was, no problem. Well, then it was like, cool, we're going to end you being able to use lead. And I was shoot, and I shoot out of my 300 Savage 150 grain nozzle ballistic tips, right? So now I have 125 nozzle ballistic tips that I'll never get to use because I can't hunt with my 300 Savage and, because it's all lead. But that's not even what you're hunting with anyway. Right now, no. Yeah. Well, so... If I, when I'm hunting up in the D zone in California, I'll hunt with my 300 Savage. I use a two to seven power scope on it. Uh-huh. I mean, most of my shots in there are 80 yards, maybe 120 max. Um, so I just use a brush, a brush gun. Gotcha. Yeah. Model 99 Savage. It's in my opinion, is my favorite rifle I've ever used. I just love a little lever action. Uh-huh. It's a beautiful round. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'll switch to. For that, I'm going to switch to 135 grain cutting edge bullets and see how those work. Who makes those? Cutting edge. Is, is, oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're coppers? Yeah, they're they're full copper. Mm-hmm. I think they're called like cutting edge raptors or I don't know, some Jurassic Park style name. Yeah, I just I just shoot that same rifle for everything. and Yeah. I want to do a moose hunt in the next few years. Where I, are you going to I, do I, that at? Oh, probably in Alaska. Yeah. Do it yourself deal. Yeah. It's kind of my next since we did the Kodiak thing this last year. Which was epic. Yeah, that was cool. And we Which we'll talk about. Gone up there and done uh the caribou do it yourself yeah. deal. And so now, is that of your course caribou do it yourself deal right there? Oh, those are just a couple little first taggers to uh, get your feet wet. Yeah. Yeah, we got I got some bigger ones inside. Uh huh. Um but so, so it's kind of like, wait, wait, I want, wait, hold on, pump huh? the brakes. How many caribou have you killed? Just two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Two on the one trip. Yeah, yeah. Two on one trip. You can do that? Oh, yeah. Just like those blacktail. Are you kidding? No, that's, I didn't that's, know. What's I so, don't, that's dude, a, I don't an know. extra bonus of going up there. No way. Yeah. So that's crazy. That sounds fun. Yeah, just one, I think just one moose would be enough, though. Not two. No. Not going to go for the deuces. No, and I think my dad wants to go do it. Mm-hmm. So that's I've I've kind of started 
that's been my my next thing I've started looking into and yeah kicking around and whatnot yeah Maybe so next year or the year after when you were scout when you were scouting for your California tag prior when it was still winter I mean I guess it's springtime because we get we find out our draw results June second were you doing a bunch of e scouting or had you been doing e scouting because I know you mentioned earlier talking about e scouting oh yeah I I fly around Google Earth quite a bit uh-huh. uh huh. Man, what a powerful tool that is. Life-changing. Yeah. It's crazy. How many times, though, are you on Google Earth in a good-looking area, and it's just constantly in your mind, like, oh, man, how many other guys have looked at this spot? Yeah. And how many of them are going to be there when I go up and try, go and try this area? Yeah. Have, have you That's run into that? That's the hardest part. Do you run into a lot of other people while you're out there? Or? Not on that hunt, no. Yeah. But typically, yeah. If mm-hmm. usually, if it looks good on Google Earth, it's gonna it is good. And there's gonna be other and people other people know the same it. thing. And, yeah. Uh, How many hours would you say you spend on Google Earth? Um, Too many at a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Five, <laughs> eight. I don't. I don't spend. I don't. Yeah. I don't obsess over any of it. Is yeah. the thing. Like yeah. that's kind of that's kind of why you don't see me constantly on. So I'm I'm not, yeah. I'm not an obsessive guy. I am over Terrible. any of it until yeah. I'm there, doing it. Yeah, and then it's just well, total like, business. But it, it's, um, I don't know. What's funny to me is like so for the Sierras, for example, where I hunt, like I my whole mindset is exactly like your mindset with A zone, like. I know where I'm going to go. I know where the deer are going to be. I don't need... Like, do I scout it a little bit? I do because I spend my summers up there, a lot of my summers. But I don't, like... I don't go bananas up there for it, if that makes sense. But, like, for Montana or for Utah or something else where I can't get to the state, you know, like, I will get on on Google Earth. I, I never really got into, like, Onyx. No, me neither. Me neither. Although in New Mexico, we um, we drew and my dad and I drew Audad tags a couple years ago. Have and, you killed an Audad? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's in that bucket over there in the corner. <laughs> uh, Your house is a house of death. So <laughs> that yeah, the Onyx thing in hand or on the phone or whatever was nice to have helpful out there when you're on the ground yeah. and it's checkerboard blm private yeah. but on the google earth thing so i'll give you so we've got the points uh to draw deer tag in wyoming this year uh-huh. which we're gonna go do yeah and yeah i'm uh on google earth on my ipad at night yeah about every other night for Zoning. maybe Maybe 45 minutes or so. Yeah. Just kind of going over the same stuff or, you know, you. I don't know if this is how you do it, but I'll bounce back and forth between Google mm-hmm. and Google Earth mm-hmm. and I'll look for, because sometimes you just want to see a photo of what an area you're looking at yeah. looks like. So go and type the name of a peak into uh, Google Images and... Sometimes get a better feel because it's so hard to tell the steepness and and the magnitude of some of the canyons or right. Well, I feel like that. if people have a geotag on a photo, 
you and they've posted it on Google or something like that, you can pull up their photo. Like, because I know for a spot that I hunt in Nevada, uh-huh. um, I can type in where I'm hunting on Google and I can look at a at, at the map. Maybe it's Google Earth or maybe it's just Google. I, I don't know which one it is. And it'll show little spots where people have taken photos and I yeah. can click on the photos and actually look right. at yeah, where they've can, taken uh, the photo. You can turn the photos thing on. Yeah. I know. I only figured that out recently, too. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, though. Yeah. It's so much easier than having to go over to the regular Google. But still, right. it's also hard to tell how far of a hike some things are, yeah. how busy a trail is that you're looking at on yeah. there. So the um, the hiking websites and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Summit Bagger or Peak Bagger or something like that. You can kind of get trail descriptions from people and and they say how far things are and yeah it's kind of more uh, i kind of am usually more learning the topography and how i'm gonna get around there and and just what the terrain is like more so than what the you know because you know where the animals are going to be once you're there just by looking at it yeah for sure it's just not that hard to figure out. Yeah. Find, finding finding the bucks usually isn't even that hard. It's finding a place that you're going to enjoy, you know, as far as distance in and terrain type and um, how hard it is to yeah. get in and out. That's so, usually what I'm more interested in. And when you're when you're hiking in, you're I, I got to imagine you've got tracking poles. Your tracking poles are right there. Yeah. Right? And you said your pack's running like 30 pounds. Does that vary on how many days you're going or is it generally? Yeah, the like, only thing that varies is the amount of food. Yeah. And then are you like, because I know some people are like, well, I want 100 calories per ounce of food. Are you like, do you get it down to that nitty gritty or do you just kind of like, I'm going to eat some of this, I'm going to eat some of that, and this is kind of what I'm going to do. And Yeah, no, I... I uh, do you break it I'm, down I'm, into individual days? I'll usually package up my days yeah. and, and try and stay strict about that. Uh-huh. Because you just never... You, you, if you're going to go in for five days, yeah. you have to stay committed to the fifth day, yeah. even all the way back on your second or third day, yeah. or else you're never going to make it to the fifth day. Right. Uh, and... Yeah, I, I'm, I don't really do. I don't really calculate how many calories per ounce. Because you don't care. Um, I'm gonna lose weight no matter what. Either way, You're burning calories like nobody's yeah. business. Yeah, I burn calories way too fast. Just you know, sitting here talking. Yeah. Um, but how you doing? The big thing for me is is bringing stuff that I'm gonna enjoy eating. Yeah. And for sure, it's not you know that doesn't mean five star dining out there. Yeah. But what's your favorite thing to bring for food? Oh man, pop tarts! Pop tarts are like, dude. I've got to have a, <laughs> dude, for sure. A pack of pop tarts per day. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, well, I try and keep it random. I get the assortment pack between, and the, then just throw the them cinnamon in. one, uh-huh. cinnamon brown sugar, and yeah. strawberry. Yeah, and then for and sure. then you don't know which yeah. one is in which bag. And it's a surprise yeah. every time. Sometimes you're disappointed. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, yes, that's the one I'm wanting today. And everything, that cinnamon one can get rough some days, but some days it's amazing. Oh, sometimes it makes your mouth so dry. <laughs> it's terrible. Especially on, on light water days. Yeah. Because there's times, uh, you know, we'll get up into some stuff and really be rationing the water. Yeah. Uh, ben and I were on this one ridge in Nevada one time, and 
we were out of water didn't want to do the long hike down to refill until the next day mm-hmm. and so we decided we were just going to go around and and uh, collect water out of all the the rock formations that had little bowls carved <laughs> out in them from, uh-huh. you know mother nature yeah just collecting water naturally but i mean most of them had rat shit in them and stuff so we filtered this stuff but we were up there we had a long piece of hose and we were sticking the end of the hose down into these little holes filling up the hose and spitting it into a uh a container that then we then hooked up to the pump or the filter and filtered it it through and that was that would have been a bad day to eat pop tarts just kind of to bring it back all together bring it back to the pop tarts (laughs) So what else? What, uh, so Pop-Tarts is one of your favorite foods? Oh, man. And Top Ramen. Uh-huh. Dry? No, I usually like to cook it. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> top Ramen. <laughs> Nothing like a, a hot cup of Top Ramen. Yeah. When you've been cold and you're finally back to your tent. And yeah. It's about, you know, about turn out the lights time. Mm-hmm. Top Ramen. Because it's dark already? Bit. Yeah. Oh, geez, what else? Fruit snacks are always in there. Uh, you know, usually peanut butter and jelly bagel yeah. each day. Yeah. Trail mix. Um, geez, I've got a whole I've got a whole sack probably still packed over there from my last trip, but nothing too crazy. Some yeah. bars, you know, yeah. gotta have some some bars that you like. Yeah. Just to break up and the then, monotony. Yeah, and then, uh, uh, well, coffee. God, co- how big is coffee on the mountain? Yeah. I'll just do those toaster's choice Yeah. instance. Yeah. Big old sack of, uh, probably the heaviest thing in my pack is my powdered creamer. Because you like cream coffee. Yeah. We discovered that when we got here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously out of my empty coffee cup. Yeah, yeah, I like to really load it up and make it nice and light. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, for me, one of my favorite meals, aside from Pop-Tarts, because, like, Pop-Tart is my go-to every morning, and I do the exact same thing that you do. I get that, like, monster box that's assorted flavors, and I just throw, you know, throw them all in Ziploc bags. I'll do all my meals in gallon Ziploc bags. Yeah, same here. And then, but what I'll do for my... Peanut butter and jelly is I do peanut butter, jelly, salami with cheese. Oh. Right? And it, or I don't, I don't know. Is, is it just peanut butter? Is it just peanut butter and, it might just be peanut butter and salami. I can't remember clearly right now. Man. But it has everything you need. You've got two slices of cheese. You got, you know, I usually do, um, 12 slices of salami per sandwich per sandwich dang yeah but it's like 2000 calories in the sandwich yeah yeah it's perfect yeah i might have to try that peanut butter and jelly with salami and cheese it's uh, usually i just bring kind of the same type of stuff but eat them separately <laughs> <laughs> just throw it in the sandwich in a ziploc bag and just call it a day yeah, and then man, how bad do some of those uh, some of those sandwich concoctions get by about the last day? You know what? I haven't with with that sandwich. Uh-huh. I've never gotten sick of it. Oh, ever? Yeah, one. I've time. been eating. That's been like, dude, probably at least I don't know nine years, maybe ten years. I've I eat that sandwich all hunting season long, 
and I'm not sick of it yet. Yeah, then we'll we'll usually do a, a mountain house for for dinner. Yeah, if we can if we can bear it. Yeah. After a couple nights, though, man, it's just you know the top ramen two times top ramen sounds better than a <laughs> a mountain house. Uh huh. Well, I feel like top ramen might be lighter too. Definitely lighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's funny. So we're gonna shift gears a little bit. And we're going to start talking a little bit about uh, some more gear stuff. And this is kind of like, you know a lot about gear and you've been using gear. You're also in the gear industry. So, right. you know, you, you kind of know, you know your odds and outs, your ins and outs. So how do you feel like the quality of gear in the last 10 years has changed? The quality, man, I feel like it's come a long way. Yeah. Although that could just be because, you know, being 30 years old in the last 10 years, so yeah. what I'm able to attain and afford and, and, ha- right. and have the chance to use yeah. at age 20 versus now at age 30 and having, yeah. you know, uh, worked around it and, and good opportunities along the way um, has come a long way, but still I find myself to be a... a a minimalist yeah. as far as gear goes mm-hmm. and I have a I don't have I'm not the type of guy who wants to try a whole bunch of different little gadgets I'm not a gadget guy gadgets and gizmo yeah well, no. your pack your pack weight you said it's 29 pounds man that's pretty lightweight yeah but compared to like I'll talk to somebody and they're like I'm packing in for a five day hunt and I got 60 pounds on my back I'm like fuck dude yeah you bringing an army with Although you or? there's there's room there's yeah. definitely room to add a few things that would be especially for safety purposes uh-huh it's kind of emergency like if, kits. if I if I hurt myself badly out there uh, the closest thing to any emergency or first aid stuff I have is a little square of um, moleskin <laughs> Protect from and, blisters. Yeah, and maybe uh, maybe thirty inches of uh, paracord. Well, like Anthony makes fun of me because I don't I don't pack a, like a serious first aid kit at all. Like I've got like a couple tiny little things and that's it. Yeah, so that's one way to cut down on weight. But as far as gear goes, I've been using the same same stove for a while yeah. and. Um, same sleeping pad. I think I've got six or seven years on my Thermarest sleeping pad. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. So is that like a thin one or is that a, a, a one you blow it's up? It's the blow up. It's okay. the Thermarest uh, Neo Air X Lite. Okay. And it's just my stuff is so refined and dialed. Yeah, tripod. You, I've been using the same tripod for eight years. What kind of tripod eight. do you use? That slick, uh, the slick 624CF Pro. Uh huh. Sitting height, carbon fiber. Yeah. Um, although every once in a while you come across one of those things and it's just awesome, like the um, uh, Outdoorsman's Bino Adapter. Mm-hmm. Since I started running... All that thing's dynamite. Using, dude. yeah, binos on a tripod all the time. Mm-hmm. That, man, what a... Um, I think if you kind of draw a graph, maybe, mm-hmm. of, of how your, your hunting performance goes along and... It might flatten out, and then you learn something, and it goes up a little bit. Man, starting to glass with those binos off a tripod Changes would the just world. be a serious uh, pitch upward really? on the graph. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Someone else was telling me about that, too, and like, there's so many different options on ways 
to mount your binos to a tripod. You know, like uh, our buddy Kyle uses the bog pod. You know, uh-huh. people use that center post that Vortex makes. Yeah. You know, yeah. outdoorsmen's. I think outdoorsmen have probably has a one of the best, the better that I've ever used. You yeah, know, and that's the thing. Every uh, everyone kind of finds a piece of gear that they that they theirs. like and they yeah. learn and yeah. they become efficient at using it. For sure. And it's nice that there's so many options out there. For sure. As far as the clothing, though, holy cow. I remember um, my first backpack mule deer hunt when I was 13, and it was, it was straight Cabela's... Uh, that's Cabela's bargain cave up in, type dude, stuff. You know the the, up the hooded I, the hooded full zip yeah regular old sweatshirt yeah. and some cotton long sleeves and uh, uh, you know a pair of they're probably cotton yeah hunting pants yeah. But the thing is, um, and just like when my dad was growing up hunting or or my grandpa, you really only you really only know what you've used or been exposed to or, or what's been available. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think from those days to like the clothing that we have now mm-hmm. is just an incredible difference. Leap. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. From comfort and saving weight. Oh yeah. And being but not only that, but like and... staying dry and like wicking and drying yeah. and like everything Yeah, is so much different. Like for me, I just switched over to using high quality gear. We'll call it uh-huh. in what twenty sixteen three seasons ago. So for me, it's still like relatively new because my entire life, dude, Cabela's Bargain Cave, number one gear spot all day long. Isn't it crazy how we are constantly coming up with the latest technology in this mm-hmm. and the next greatest in that? Yeah, and it's all geared toward. Um, Becoming more, ultimately, helping us become more successful at harvesting game. Being the ultimate predator. Yet, the deer Mm -hmm. haven't changed one bit. (laughs) They're still the same exact deer. The deer's still wearing the same hair. He doesn't have better optics. No. None of it. And, like, they're still just as hard to kill. Right? Right? It's amazing, too. The gear doesn't make it easier. The no, gear you, makes you it more totally, comfortable. Yeah, you totally still have to do your part, and yeah. you have to hunt well. Yeah, and, and hard. Yeah, yeah. But the gear, I don't know. It 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 plays a big role in in the longevity of your hunt, especially after a number of days and having to carry it around and well, being exposed to elements, man. And yeah, yeah, and being prepared for uh, conditions that that. You aren't used to being in, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Just takes it. It really takes the edge off. Yeah. Well, being able to throw rain gear in my pack that weighs next to nothing and takes up zero space. It's huge. Yeah. And it's like amazing rain gear. Right. You we know used what I mean? to. Um, my dad and I, you know, when I was younger, we'd sit there at the trailhead and debate over. Ah, oh, man, do we really want to? Bring we, this heavy rain gear. Do we need this? Yeah. yeah. No. 
oh, I don't want. We don't want to carry this, and, and then yeah. if, and then if it rains, then you're you're giving up a bunch of hunting time because you're wedged under some rock someplace because yeah. you left the rain gear down yeah. the hill because it was too heavy. Right now, you just take your, you know, I I take my Chugach or or my Ultra NX, um, mm-hmm. roll that stuff up, and it's so silly not to bring it with you right. because. At the end of the day, you just have to be in the game and ready to hunt properly, yeah. no matter what's going on. Yeah, and that just adds more hours, you know, to to uh, being in the game. And li- yeah, and life to the hunt for sure. Yeah, for sure. Would you would you say that there's been glorification of backcountry hunting in order to sell more gear? Glorification. Well, it is glorious. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. I think that there's been an emphasis on how glorious it is. Yeah, for sure. I don't know that anybody is... Um, well, you see you see some outfits just taking it a, a little extreme. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, as, soon as, as soon as you see an ad where a guy is photoshopped uh-huh. into the backcountry setting... Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'd say that it, that's where it crosses into over-glorification. Right? Because it's not even real at yeah, that point. Yeah, And it's obvious. They're just making it up. This is what we want you to think. Right? Yeah. Right? So, we'll go back into hunting, and we'll go back into deer. I, I just kind of had that, like, tangent I wanted to talk a little bit more about gear and, and the, oh, the yeah. evolution of gear. And, and Oh, gear is cool. Yeah. I remember... Um, Man, what we were using those Cabela's Alaskan aluminum frames for years. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, my dad passed his Cabela's Alaskan freighter frame number 1 yeah. down to me when I could start going and I think we took it uh to the local seamstress and they did some restitching of a bunch of stuff on it and that mm-hmm. you know that was my pack. Yeah. I had uh, stoked for it. Oh, too. every step there's a different squeak and yeah. next thing you know you yeah, you're singing. You've got all these different songs in your head depending on your Pretty cadence. Pretty soon you of, throw some like drums over it, you know, add a little bass maybe. Yeah. But now, man, <laughs> the packs now is everything really. Yeah. Packs, sleeping bags, yeah. all, all this stuff. Well, and something too that I I found interesting, which I never paid attention to the difference between the Ultra and the Icon Pro bags mm-hmm. and the like roughly two pounds in weight of difference of the bag. Yeah, close to it in the, in the bigger sizes. Yeah, and, and that I'm the the guys from Out West Outdoors pointed that out to me and I was like, Oh wow, like I never even realized that and that's a lot of weight. You know That's what I mean? A ton That's, of weight. Yeah. People spend thousands and thousands of dollars saving that amount of weight. Isn't it? And that's not to say that the Icon Pro bags are heavy. It's yeah. just if you're the kind of guy where that really matters, um, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. For sure. So that's why I run. I like the Ultra bags a lot better. For, yeah. For that purpose. Yeah. I'll be switching probably to the Ultra bags for next season. I mean, that's kind of. What the way I'm gonna be leaning? This past year, I used that uh, that Ultra 5500 right there. Mm-hmm. Thing was sweet. Uh, that pack that pack packed out nine bucks this year. Are you kidding? Yeah, that's insane. Six on Kodiak. Uh, Three two, in Cal- two, two in California. Uh, two on that mule deer hunt and yeah. and that blacktail. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. 
no worse for wear other than it's uh, got a couple little battle scars, which they're not cool till they have that anyway. Right. I pulled out my, my Venture the other day, and my buddy was like, that thing looks brand new, and I only use it for, like, around town and yeah. miscellaneous shit, so it's got no use. And I'm like, damn, it really just looks brand new. Like, I gotta throw that thing in a river to make it look used. Yeah, looking, man, there's... Depressing. You don't want to be lo- you don't want to be out there looking like everything's brand new. I know, right? I thought I was, like, some experienced hunter. Apparently, I just have some new pack. Yeah, everything... Looks cool. They work better with a little patina. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So what would you say is your allure to California high country when you're mule deer? Like what brings you to to, to the high country for mule deer hunting? What brings the bucks? The bucks? Yeah. Really the opportunity? They're, yeah, they're to kill a buck. Yeah. Uh, kind of makes me think of when we went and climbed Mount Whitney. Uh-huh. I shouldn't say climbed. We hiked Mount Whitney. Uh-huh. The, the the serious climbers don't like the hikers calling it climbing. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we're just like, man, it's pretty and everything up here, but why are we here? We're not glassing. We're not looking for any bucks. And, yeah. Uh, it's just there to there to hunt deer, and it just so happens that where they live is a really cool, pretty area so right. that's like well, a, off a, a bonus tra- usually off a trail yeah you know and there's no like set and i haven't hunted i haven't hunted california mule deer specifically a lot yeah up in the high country uh just you know this this past year and a little bit before did you get him i think i there he is no <laughs> he gets to live he gets to live <laughs> uh hunted d zone a few times, kind of learning it during yeah. archery and um, D zone's fun, man. I love it. Yeah, I we, still hunt the we shit. We got out of into it. some nice bucks. Yeah, they're same up there. thing. Found an area on Google Earth and said, <laughs> "This looks like it would suck to get to." I bet not Let's too go. many other people are here. Yeah, went in there, Ben and I, and we were um, stalking bucks the entire weekend. Really nice ones. That's awesome. Yeah, can't beat that. Yeah, I shot. Uh, I shot right over one. Yeah, how far? like 19 yards <laughs> i saw it was so bad i had a i had a buddy who'd never killed a california deer before we were out on the hunt and uh got him on a buck and i was like you wait right here do not move the buck is gonna come out in front of you and i was like i'm gonna go around over here to see if the buck comes out the other side and i as soon as i get it get over to the other side the buck jumps out in front of him at like 24 yards mm. and he shot right over its back. Oh yeah. It's the most depressing thing ever. It's very difficult. Yeah. To, um, screw up, especially on the easy ones. Yeah. Mm. Right. And that's the most painful ones. It's like, yeah, that's like, a gimme. And I, how did I drop as long the ball as you on don't, that? As long as you don't let it happen very often. Yeah. I like to mess up more than I like to be successful. Oh yeah, so. you can't you can't let it happen often. Right. Right. So, are you playing points when you like in state, out of state, you know, wherever you're going to go hunt? Are you guys playing points? Do you pull up different statistics and odds and look at the caliber of bucks that are coming out? Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, you do re- you do a fair amount of research when you're 
quite a bit and been doing it for a lot of years and uh-huh. just kind of have a we get a we do a rotation where we'll you know hunt Colorado and then so so myself and my dad and Ben you know the main group of us that hunt together we yeah. we do Cal, uh, California points Nevada uh, Colorado Utah yeah Wyoming and then there's always you know Idaho as an over the counter state or mm-hmm. New Mexico to apply in fallbacks yeah yeah and then the states without points but so we'll kind of go on a rotation where we're hunting one of those states or maybe two some years mm-hmm. and then by the time like suddenly now we have a handful of close to a handful of Nevada points again oh really and yeah so we're going to probably be due to draw another Nevada tag here in the next couple of years we're going to draw Wyoming this year um so by next year we'll be able to go back to Colorado and then the year <laughs> after that we'll have enough points again mm-hmm. to go hunt the unit in Utah that we like and yeah uh, so it's just kind of a kind of a Picking rotation. Picking and choosing and going around. Yeah, and a rotation, doing and then next thing you know, you've hunted this handful of states, and you're able to go hunt the other one again. Yeah, but we don't we don't really do other than um, like limited entry Utah deer uh-huh. um, or Wyoming. We've we've let our points build up pretty good there, uh-huh. but usually we're not we're not the type to. Uh, you know, sit on a bunch of points in any one place. We're kind of just wanting to go go use them yeah. and, and hunt maybe lesser areas more often. Mm-hmm. And after a couple years, that usually makes up for what an area might lack in numbers or quality. Yeah. Kind of make up for it by, by learning it and keep going back to the same places or, yeah. you know, doing it like that. Yeah. Like for me, one of my biggest things, everyone's always like, do you play points? And, you know, how do you stack points and what are you doing? And for me, like when it comes to out of state hunting, I just look for a state where I can go hunt over the counter. And if I can do it, like I know that because I can be successful in California, I'm probably, I have a high chance of being successful out of state, even if it's in a general place with a pumpkin patch. That's what's so crazy about, (laughs) about hunting here in California, um, you you gotta use it takes so many points to draw you know the the, the <laughs> air quotes tag. yeah upper end <laughs> mule deer tags yeah where coveted. you can go to Colorado and for one point find and, the same caliber of deer yeah, for no points yeah. for over the counter yeah find the same caliber and more of them yeah than the best hunts in our own state isn't that depressing and not only that but. You know the 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 tag we drew last year doesn't take a lot of points, and we killed nice bucks on it. Yeah, good bucks. So I don't I don't think that the difference between the you know the the let's call it all but maybe a light handful of California tags mm-hmm. um, are all that much better than you know the lower end ones that yeah. you still have to draw. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you know if it's if it's I think it has to be country that you are comfortable and confident in hunting. Mm-hmm. I'd rather hunt an area that I'm familiar with the terrain types and yeah. and the accessibility and, and the glassing scenarios and, and steepness and whatnot. Um, I'd rather hunt a lesser area that I just like mm-hmm. than, you know, 
if there's some place that's big, flat, high desert, but it has really nice bucks in it, I'm just a little bit out of my element. And um, I don't know. You, you, I think you got to feel comfortable with with where you're hunting to yeah. find better success, for irregardless sure. of the trophy quality or, yeah. or numbers in the area. Yeah, makes up for a lot. Yeah, for sure. What would you say your favorite state has been to hunt? Alaska. Really? Oh yeah. So you've done caribou in Alaska, and and uh, Sitka blacktails on Kodiak. And then your next goal is moose. Yeah. That's but amazing. I mean, that's kind of an anomaly. Of course, Alaska is the the favorite one, right? The prime. So we'll, we'll we'll come back down of uh, down here to 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 the, the lower forty eight, lower forty eight in the west, and Nevada has been good. I, yeah. I really I really like hunting Nevada, and I've. Um, I've done well drawing tags there. I'm on waiting period for elk mm-hmm. and antelope and um, have been on, I think, four mule deer hunts over there and oh, wow. been successful Yeah, a lot. So Yeah, with like really good animals. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's what's cool about Nevada. Yeah. Uh, Heavy horns. I really like their, um, I really like their, the way their draw system works. It's close to us. Uh, great people across Nevada, right? Um, but you know, everywhere's so different. It's hard to have a favorite because for sure, uh, you get don't into go such and, different get into terrain. that high country yeah. in Colorado at twelve thousand, which feet, I haven't even done, and yet. that's just incredible too. Yeah, uh, so I don't know. I and I'm looking forward to Wyoming this year. Haven't even hunted Wyoming before, so mm-hmm. this will be a first time. For that Wyoming I feel like was always like a bucket list dream hunt for a lot of mule deer hunters because like I swear some of the caliber of deer that come out of there is just insane yeah yeah and it's you know everywhere is so cyclical right um, Wyoming's been you know they've been the hot state the past few years of mm-hmm. course Colorado kind of always is but uh, yeah some of the, the Wyoming bucks recently have been pretty inspiring so we're <laughs> inspiring we're, we're, i like that we're excited to go try them right so what would you say would be your most epic adventure that you've gotten to go on out of state man the most the most epic adventure yeah that man i'm back up there to kodiak really kodiak island this last year yeah yeah it, it, i mean I, and you know we spent we we planned that hunt starting about a year and a half in advance. Yeah. So there's so much buildup, and uh, I remember hearing about it when you guys were first starting. Yeah, the planet. you research it like crazy and talk to a bunch of people, and and your expectations get high, and yeah, uh, and then to go there and and have phenomenal success. I mean, the bucks, both the bucks you shot, at least just sitting here looking at the antlers, like. Those right. are great bucks. Man. Yeah, all of our expectations were uh, exceeded. How many bucks did you guys shoot on that trip? We killed twelve. That's insanity. With six of us, so everybody tagged out. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we all had two tags each, and uh, I went. I hunted six days in a row, mm-hmm. and all six days, either killed one myself or was with you know my the Packing hunting partner I was with for the day killed, killed one. <laughs> Yeah, so six days in a row, six different bucks in the most gorgeous, uh, unique. Well, the country you got remote. to take there were like 
mind blowing. Yeah. They were beautiful, dude. Yeah. Yeah, we were thinking the whole time, man, there's no way pictures are going to do this place justice. Yeah. And then uh, we're, you know, you, you take about a thousand of them, and yeah. some of them actually do do the place justice. Yeah, so. well, I mean, I, I mean, it was even apparent when we were at Sheep Show the other weekend, and Paul Bride's looking at your pictures, and Paul's like, these are phenomenal photos. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, that was awesome. I was like, yes. Isn't Paul a great guy? Paul's such a fun character. Yeah, Paul's awesome. <laughs> and not only that, but like, so you, you know, like ju- exactly what you just just said, and it's exactly what I do. Go out and take a thousand photos and then pick the best ones. And Paul's like, oh, no big deal. I go out with three batteries and I take 36 shots in 10 days and every picture's fucking amazing. Yeah, like, yeah. What? <laughs> like, well, you can tell. You I mean you can tell when you're just taking them to take them, but yeah. then when you're taking them and they're gonna be your good the ones. One. Yeah. Um, yeah. What kind of um, camera are you using? I use a Canon, uh-huh. uh, a Canon T3i. Mm-hmm. I'm such an idiot. I used the the lens that came with it for years. Yeah. And and then I got this other, you know, the upgraded lens, a little bit wide angle, closer zoom. Yeah. Uh, and I was really blown away when I started using that mm-hmm. at how much better the image quality was with the nicer lens. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why that surprised me. I mean, I already know that about <laughs> optics and, and glassing, you know, binoculars yeah. and, and, and spotting scopes. But um, yeah, so I started using that other lens more, and, and the pictures from this year have Getting come out a lot away. nicer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Zeiss makes some really great stuff. I have yet to to get that high up into it, but yeah, well, I just I upgraded my phone recently, and even these things have awesome cameras now. Dude, the phone the phone quality photos are insane. It's days. getting to the point where I feel like lugging because that uh, my Canon has always been kind of my luxury item, my one my one heavy thing yeah. I allow yeah. myself to put in my backpack. Yeah, um, but. I don't know anymore. Yeah, right. I might have to switch to more of a phone or find something a little bit smaller and more compact and save some weight. I don't right. know. I mean, I use that shoulder clip, mm-hmm. so it's right on my on the shoulder of my pack, and uh, I use a Sony A sixty five hundred, and it it's I don't know what the weight is of the T three I three I yeah, but I know the sixty five hundred the weight is. You know, it's it's a little bit down there. It's not anything crazy. Well, that's the big thing is, is making having something that's not so big and bulky that it's accessible all the time. Yeah. Because even if mine's up in my pack lid, mm-hmm. there will be times where we're hiking and I want to get a picture. Yeah. of You know, whoever packing out, and then you got to stop the process. Hey, get my camera out of my pack. Dude, and, that's. And then next thing you know, the shots that you wanted is completely gone. Now, yeah. okay, you were walking over there. Go do that again. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, having it having it, Accessible. maybe something a little smaller like you're talking about yeah. and easy to get to all the time. For sure. Well, and one of the problems we ran into this year is the day we went to go cut up and pack out my elk in Montana, we uh, didn't bring our bino harnesses. We were like, we're, we're both, Anthony and myself, we're both tagged out, uh-huh. right? Our one buddy has an elk tag only left. We're pretty convinced we're not going to see an elk at the time of day that we're going in. And uh, so we left our bino harnesses. Well, our bino harnesses have our, our uh, lens cloth, right? Yeah. So 
we get out there, we get some snow on the lens of the camera. Every photo that we took that entire day of everything all has watermarks because the lens had watermark on it. And we didn't have any extra cloth to clean it. It's a bummer. Were you not wearing clothes? It, it, it was... Uh, we tried to do it with our clothes. Oh, it, it just smeared. It just it, smeared. Oh. Yeah, it yeah, was it was so damp out there. You still yeah, couldn't was, get it yeah, off. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, such as hunting, though. Right. It's just. But it's at the same the time, game. dude. One of the hardest things for me too is like when I'm leaving my truck, like I look at my camera and I'm like, "Not today, dude. I don't want to fucking deal with it. I don't want to think about it. I'm here to hunt. I'm not here to take photos." That's what happens to us. Is the first few days anyway. We're always just so locked in on getting some animals on, on the, the ground. ground. Yeah. That. Uh, halfway you know half the hunt goes by and you're like oh geez i've taken six pictures and they're all dumb <laughs> time to time to get more serious about this yeah and let's expand the horizons you go through them and you start thinking about you reflect about different parts of the hunt and yeah uh, and um not so not as much anymore but it used to be like man i just wish i would have taken more pictures and mm-hmm. documented this or that and so now we're just kind of always firing them off, and we get some good ones. Yeah. Well, and, you know, as it shows with what you got done in Alaska, some of those photos are just like, I want to go there just to take pictures. No, you want to go there to hunt. I do. I want to <laughs> do that, too. Yeah, if you guys you, ever you have should. room on a future trip, you just keep my name in a hat of a many other people, I'm sure, that are on that waiting list. And when you draw names, let me know if I get drawn. Oh, yeah. Or, I mean, also... Why not just go and and yeah go do it? Just go do it, right? Yeah. Right? I could. Find, yeah. Twenty twenty two. Find some guys that'll commit yeah. with you, and or just go by myself. Is that possible? No, I don't go by yourself. No. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, you gotta you gotta go. You're gonna go up there. You want to share somebody's. with somebody at least? Yeah. 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 Solo hunting though. I like doing it down here, but I don't know that I would go to a clear to Alaska and just <laughs> go pack in somewhere by myself. Fuck off. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you kind of like to have a buddy up there. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's such epic country, too. Yeah. Share the memories. So what would you say has been your most rewarding success for mule deer hunting? Most rewarding? Man, um... Shooting my first 30-inch mule mm-hmm. deer was pretty awesome. Yeah. And it was, uh, man, I don't even know when that was, 2012 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, spotted this buck way up in this basin and knew that he was you know, pushing that mark. Yeah. And I was with my dad and, and Ben, like usual, and um, it was getting late in the day and legs were feeling good and we made a big charge up there and ended up killing this thing up in this big basin and uh you know that was the that was the first 30 inch deer that i'd ever put my put hands, hands on, on. and, and yeah. getting up to him and uh man not only that but just the fact that that stock worked out and and that we were in good enough shape to have pulled it off and my dad watched the whole thing through a spotting scope down below and got up there a couple hours cool. later after dark and we were kind of uh like signaling to each other with head it was in it, you know rough yeah. country up yeah. there with mountain goats and stuff yeah uh 
and then and then broke it down that night and um we were just up in that vertical stuff and slept in deer beds no way that night and yeah it was just one of those really cool all around awesome father son experiences too yeah and Having that buck break 30 was cool because growing up and paying attention to mule deer and looking at my dad's up in the rafters all those years and and thinking (laughs) about... So is that why you have all yours in the rafters instead of on the walls? Oh, yeah. My grandpa did did it that way and that's how they are in my dad's garage. So here they are in mine. This is nothing but bone above my head (laughs) from like wall to wall and wall to wall is like 20 feet. Yeah, they, they really add up over the years. That's so crazy, dude. And it's like majority is all blacktails. Look at the daggers on that. I think it's one like time I killed like nine blacktails in a row that were four point on one side at least. That's crazy. Yeah, I was just hunting four pointers there for a while. Really? Just because? Because I had the time, and yeah. I and I and I younger had the you know the the places to do it, and and the trail cameras and the whole setup. Yeah, and then it becomes a, now you got a house and, and a and wife, and <laughs> <laughs> a job, career. yeah. <laughs> and I and I've only make, might hunt blacktail like the last two years have only hunted them one weekend out of the whole year. So yeah, were you just, successful? Uh, year before last, yes, and then this last this year, year is when brother. my brother killed the one. So and then in a I, weekend, you still killed two. In two weekends, you still killed two blacktails. Yeah, yeah, I, I should have. <laughs> not a bad, not a bad rat there. Yeah, no, no, average uh, above the state average, right? Yeah, of like zero, 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 zero percentile of success. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's but... tiny, and I mean. It, you look at the success rate, call it, I don't know, 7%, and I'm making up bullshit numbers. And then look at what the success rate of that, you know, you break that down and divide it between like, all right, how much is on public, how much is on private. That's the big thing. And then really look at what the percentile gap is. and yeah. It's terrifying, dude. The, uh, That's why I passed on a buck last year in A-Zone. Looked at those hindquarters, and they were like maybe 10 pounds less. No, less than that, probably like... Eight pound hams. That's like I'm not shooting this buck, dude. It's tiny. Yeah. Well, he uh, he'll he'll be around next year. Hopefully, if I go hunt there again. Yeah, the public and and man, private land is just a, a big advantage mm-hmm. for the blacktails. Yeah. Um, you still got to kill them, and the yeah. conditions well, are still, still tough, and they're still it's still super equally as hard. Edge, you just might deer. have but more when, of a concentrated population. Oh, for sure. When there's more of them. And no other pressure. Yeah. It goes a long way. It does, for sure. For sure. So, in the ever-changing landscape that is social media, which, for the most part, except for your goddamn amazing cooking videos that you throw together, (sighs) what do you think about social media hunting? Um... I don't have a huge opinion on it. Yeah. Uh, I I kind of got sucked into it for a little bit, mm-hmm. and you know was posting more on my Instagram, and um, 
there just seems to be so much nonsense on there. Yeah. And well, so much emphasis on what I personally feel are the wrong things. Like what? Um, I don't know. For me, hunting is just so so primal and personal. You get out there and do it. And yeah, um, it's I use it to challenge myself. Mm-hmm. And I and my goals are yeah. my goals. Yeah. And and Fuck yeah, what dude. I'm trying to. Uh. And what I'm trying to accomplish out there is, is I feel like for, uh, for my personal pleasure yeah, and to force it in front of a whole bunch of other people for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, just seems a little bit, uh, more than I care to constantly do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then... Well, no, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just interrupt you a little yeah, bit because yeah. like I love that concept of what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Because for me, like one of my biggest battles is on the mountain with myself. You know what I mean? And 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 my mental strength and my mental ability to keep going or like keep looking, go over the next ridge, go over the next hill. You know, like this last season for me was was a big mental struggle because like my ankles busted and I'm hurt. But, like, I've got out-of-state tags, and I want to fill them, and, like, you know what I mean? And, like, yeah. my whole thing and my whole battle and struggle within myself, you know, and I, I totally, I like that. I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, and there's also, what what's with, um, what's with so many people on social media just constantly talking about, uh, I just think that there's emphasis on average, too much on on the wrong aspects of hunting, uh-huh. and that it, it gets too far into, um, you know, this brand versus that brand. Yeah. Or uh, it's just a little much for me sometimes. Yeah, for and sure. I'll, you know, I'll go. Well, and you, not only that, but like, dude, you work in the industry, so that's got to just well, that be too. Like I'm around. Tedious, I'm around. Dude. I'm around hunting stuff all day at work and like if you field a phone call your phone call is about hunting yeah. or hunting stuff and so on my spare time um i don't know i mm-hmm. kind of prefer to do some projects you know do some trim carpentry or right. or look at or look at trim carpentry stuff or boat like, stuff or some, fishing some badass crown molding and cabinets yeah it's like dude you're a doctor wizard and, and with so if I, if I am looking at social media i'm yeah. kind of more off on those other tangents yeah and not and not so into just the you know Hunting. the western big game yeah because man you can sure get consumed in that but after a short like while yeah. it feels like you're just looking at the same stuff Shit. and the over and, and that's over. kind of yeah. why I've uh, had a little bit more fun I think doing those cooking videos is just because it's Blown completely off steam completely and random and unrelated dude you called me the other morning and we were talking about one of the videos that you had done and like literally in conversation with you Talking about when you spilled the elbow macaroni all over the floor. <laughs> You're like, that was totally an accident. I spit my entire coffee all over my desk. Like, and still, like, so I wiped my screen down, right? But I didn't, like, Windex it or anything. So now there's, like, these huge smear streaks all over my computer screen. 
But it's funny because like I look at that and I just think of how hard I laughed because of fucking how amazing those goddamn videos are. Well, and, and what's interesting about that is those get and granted I've I've only done it maybe a half dozen times, yeah. half, a half dozen of them or so. But those get way more response and it's like <laughs> I know that that's a lot more entertaining than if I just put up another picture of another buck yeah. or a picture of whatever else and made a caption that sounds like probably the last five things that whoever just scrolled past anyway. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm kind of having fun with just the, um, doing your own thing, the unrelated. Man. Yeah. Entertainment value for sure. So here's a question that I want to ask you about. Um, more and more, I feel like these days people are getting offended by the grip and grin photo, Right. Like, people are like, you can't do a grip and grin. That's not respecting the animal. And, like, all kinds of weird levels of bullshit. Really? Yeah. What do you, like, what's your opinion of a grip and grin? Well, I haven't heard any, I, uh, I'm so out of the loop. Yeah. That's okay. Why do people think that? I you, don't know. You mean just the picture of sitting behind it, holding its head up and smiling because you just got him? Yeah. Because of all your hard work. All your effort and all your energy that you put in or the tags that you bought, the miles you drove, the miles you hiked. Oh. And you're thrilled about killing this animal. Yeah. And there's I a lot of people that are kind of like, well, you shouldn't really be doing gripping grins anymore because maybe you need to do a backcountry pack out photo or maybe you should. Oh, be- man. And see that right there is the exact reason why I don't spend a lot of time on social media doing yeah. the hunting yeah. stuff. Yeah. Because there's people like, like, who cares? Yeah, right. If you don't like it, don't look at it. Don't comment on it. Yeah. Why the what negativity? A weird, what a weird thing. What a weird thing to be negative about, especially if you're, I, now I can see, I can see uh, non-hunters yeah. not liking that, but that's obvious. Yeah. I don't right? know. Why, why all the division within the subdivisions within our community. Yeah. Which is kind of what you were talking about with, you know, people talking about this gear or that gear. Now, if it's, I, I, I don't like, you know, there are some that I find distasteful. Yeah. If it's a, you know, you can clean up, you can clean up your blood. Yeah. You can clean up if there's excessive or, yeah. or, you know, uh, if you're going to gut it and then take a picture don't have the don't open have the gut, cavity. Don't have the gut pile yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some stuff like that. Yeah. But still, um, in my opinion, it's still the choice of whoever's taking the photo and sharing the photo. It's mm-hmm. up to them. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I mean, yeah, not 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 a lot of opinion on the uh, anti grip and grin thing, other than I think it validates the point I was making earlier. Yeah. So. When it comes to trophy hunting, like, do you feel like because you might be targeting a more mature buck, Mm -hmm. does that make you a trophy hunter? Or are you just someone who's targeting a more mature buck? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't introduce myself as a trophy hunter. Hi, I'm a trophy hunter. (laughs) For sure not. It's just, it's like, for me, I get so perplexed when people are like, oh, trophy hunting this, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like mule deer trophy hunting or something like that. Too much division within 
we're all the same group. Yeah. Well, and I feel like if you go and you find a mature buck and you target that buck mm-hmm. because it's a mature big buck, sure, not only are you going to get a whopping set of horns off it or whopping set of antlers off of it, right? Yeah. How much more meat is going to be on that buck compared to a smaller, less mature buck? Yeah, the bigger ones, you know, the bigger ones have more meat, but... Not, to, I mean, I've definitely killed my fair share of small deer, I, um, so. Yeah, trophy hunter. Are you a trophy hunter or are you a meat hunter? As if it's so black and white. You're right. Um, uh, why do we have to have a name for every, just to... to Sub-category. Why, why do we have to categorize ourselves? Why can't ourselves? we just be hunters? Exactly. Yeah. That's where I'm at. But, personally, um, I prefer to, to hunt for... You know, above average for the area that I'm hunting. Mm-hmm. Just because I usually have enough time or it's a good enough spot. Because you're Todd. To be that and way. And you can do that. And it's just... And you're a good hunter. When you pass on when you pass on some bucks... Yeah. In, in, in the name of continuing to work harder to find a bigger one... Yeah. I just think that that risk reward mm-hmm. um, is a fun aspect of hunting. For sure, and it also plays into that you know me versus me kind of what you were talking about, you know, and, and that battle with yourself. Yeah, and just it usually means you get to hunt longer too. Mm-hmm. You get to spend you get to spend more days with a with a unfilled tag in your pocket if you're trying to kill something of a, a certain caliber and. Um, the added challenge and and feel it's it's cool to have the confidence that you can be that way yeah and like i just i hope it doesn't sound conceited but i pretty much always feel like on any day i'm going to kill a really nice buck when i'm out there <laughs> and yeah. even if it's been four or five really bad days yeah. i'll still wake up on the 5th or 6th and be like today's the like, day. Yeah, I'm gonna because eventually it it'll be it the pretty day. much always happens. Yeah, the inevitability. Yeah, yeah, right. The more time on the mountain, the more likely you are to have it happen. Right, for sure. And if you just you know don't get down and keep doing the exact same thing that's worked in the past, and I mean that buck right there was kind of getting borderline to where um, maybe there were glimmers of of feeling like it wasn't going to happen and then suddenly it does and it's been like that so many times that it's kind of you know that's the way i do it so what really grinds your gears grinds my gears what grinds your gears You go first. <laughs> I guess you. <laughs> flipping it on, flipping it on the house. See, you know what's great is yeah, usually I tough. can get through a whole podcast and nobody ever asks me a fucking question, so I don't have to answer shit. Okay. You know. Yeah, I just don't want too much dead airspace while I try and figure out what grinds my gears. Yeah. Um. Ah, man. A lot of things, I guess. Uh, <laughs> littering in the forest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you, do balloons? Do you do you like do balloons? What 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 happens when you find a balloon? Balloons? I I give balloons a little bit more of a slide. Uh huh. Because someone didn't walk up there with the balloon and <laughs> throw it on the they, fucking ground. They were done with it, so they <laughs> left it there. 
The balloon floated there. Balloons? It's probably like tied into some little kid's super exactly. happy memory. I always picture, um, man, some kid had a birthday in their backyard and they thought it was cool to let the balloons go and then it made it all the way up here and they have no clue that I'm standing here right now looking at their balloon from years ago. Their memories. Yeah. Of their birthday. Yeah. But finding balloons is um, kind of a interesting one, but... Yeah, just... Have you ever found, like, abandoned camps on the mountain? I've found a few abandoned camps where, like, I'll I'll show up and there's, like, someone just stripped weight and left it on the mountain. Like, I found, like, mustard and ketchup and, like... Oh, jeez, yeah. Like, whole whole kinds of arrays of different foods and spent... You know, it smells gross, dude, when you find a spent mountain house with food still in it. And you know that thing's, like, three or four years old. Yeah. Because you can tell by the sun fade. Yeah, that's enough to grind your gears. That'll grind your gears. Um, man, we had some we had some guys go driving right through some bucks that God. they knew that we were, on them. were stalking them. Yeah. And um, I've heard that so many times to, this year. Yeah, go and drive... Right through the fucking Drive up some ridge, not even on a road, in a side-by-side ATV to get closer to where we're headed. Uh, that kind of that stuff grinds the gears. Yeah. For sure. So, we're getting to the fun part of the podcast. Not that this all hasn't been a lot of fun. Okay. But we're getting to the dead-eye question. Oh. Right? So... We're in partnership with Dead Eye Outfitters. Yeah. Right. You know, love their stuff. Great guys, too. The most fun guys. Yeah. On the planet. Like, uh, Sheep Show with Nikolai and his brother was ridiculous. ISE, or ISE, is that the one in Sacramento? Uh huh. ISE in Sacramento with Brian. Oh, were they all there, too? Yeah, well, Brian came out for it. Oh, gotcha. I- and me and Bri- and I was I was sharing a hotel room with Brian, and that was wild. Like we had a great time. It was it was crazy. Yeah, late nights with the Dead Eye guys is is fun. It's yeah, literally nonstop laughs. Like I think the maybe the second or third night at ISE, we ordered like three large pizzas and 125 buffalo wings and like crushed it. almost <laughs> all of it. It was ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I believe it though. So, anyways, the dead eye question. I've been asking this really fun question to a lot of people, but I already released the podcast. We already released the podcast that 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 one was on, and it was this question of addicted, right? And you go through a series of questions where I would have you say addicted, and then at the end of it, I say, well, what hit you in the mouth last night? And you say addicted. (laughs) Okay. But I'm not going to ask you that one. It's yeah, you already great, gave away the punchline. I did, but I—I I mean, I—I I think I have like six podcasts in queue that all have that question. Oh, so we're we're doing a new one. So, I'm gonna try and come up with a good one on the spot, and I'm probably just gonna slaughter in it. And it's not gonna be that great. Well, we'll see. Pressure's on you for once, right? So now you're no longer the nervous person. I am because I have to do this justice, right? Yeah. So. If you could choose between you were shooting a 200 class typical mule deer 
right? Yeah. A 400 class elk or a 190 class desert sheep and it was going to be the last hunt of your life and you're never going to get to hunt again. Oh, and then never going to hunt again? And you're done. If I had never killed a 200-inch mule deer, I would go with the mule deer. Have you killed a 200-inch mule deer? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. But if it came to that point, knowing that it was going to be my last hunt... Well, as of now, this is your last hunt, and those are the animals that are in front of you, and you're looking at all of them, and you have a tag for each, but when you fill one tag, (laughs) it's done. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. So are you going to kill the though? sheep, Gosh. the elk, or the mule deer? Yeah, I mean, I. let's just say the 200-inch mule deer mm-hmm. and the uh, 190 sheep were standing side by side mm-hmm. on this last hunt. <laughs> I'd shoot the sheep. Uh-huh. Um. But probably if it was any other animal standing next to that mule deer, I'd be shooting that mule deer. Yeah. The the elk the elk I could really care less. It's just out of the question. Yeah. Not There's just a, not did even you see on that the radar. one over there. Yeah. Underneath the thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How much does that? What's that one come out to? Do you That's know? That's a three fifty one. Is it? Yeah. I love I love elk. But. I wouldn't say I love elk. I'm I'm way more into mule deer yeah. than I am into elk. Me too. Like, gosh, elk are so good to eat though. They're really good to eat. Oh, they're so good to but eat. But like on this last on this last hunt that I did, I told the guys when we left, like, if we get into raghorns, I have no interest in shooting a raghorn elk. I have absolutely zero interest in shooting a raghorn. Or even shooting a cow for that matter, even though the cows taste better. Yeah. Like, I'm really of the, like, I want to shoot a decent bull. If I'm going to shoot a bull, like, I want to shoot a decent bull. There's just something mysterious about, uh, there's just something that's kind of hard to put your finger on, for me, Mm -hmm. about a mature mule deer. About a monster muley? Yeah, and yeah. not even a monster. Even yeah. you know, nice mule deer bucks. Yeah. There's just something about them. Do you prefer They're non-typical careful. or typical? They require smarts. Oh, like kickers. I could, I like. I could really care less. Really? Every, yeah. Really? Even the typical ones have enough character that they're unique. Yeah, for sure. I like for me personally, I would love to find like a really nice boxy frame four by four with like a cheater. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Or like 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 your buck that you have in there with a couple cheaters. Yeah, he's got kickers. Like that buck just looks pretty. Yeah. Remember that, even... that one when you walk in at the Salt Lake Expo last so, week? Let's talk about you that. Walk straight it's like three hundred and some odd fucking ridiculousness. Oh yeah, no, screw that one. That thing, oh, okay. that thing was just gross. I just Okay, so you're talking about a I'm different one. I'm talking about that one, uh it was it was it was a Nevada buck, mm-hmm. and it was just such a nice. Yeah, I don't know. It looked like it had a a low one nineties typical. Yeah. Beautiful four point frame with one nice cheater coming yeah. off the side. Yeah. That's just a cool buck. That's a cool buck but for sure. All cool. So there's no such thing as a not cool big buck. Okay, here's another question. 
and and then we'll wrap this up because we're gonna have dinner soon, I'm sure. But so if you had that crazy monstrosity of a world record buck in velvet that got killed, if you had that buck in front of you, or a 204 inch typical four by four, what would you shoot? I'd shoot I'd shoot the 200 plus typical four. I that buck I, I, that I, record buck doesn't do it for me, man. No, and and uh, the fact I don't know records. I could care less if I had my name on the world record this right. or that. Yeah, it's just such a it's just such a rare weird thing to even dream about. Right. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm shooting. I'm shooting the typical. Right. Typical bucks are just gorgeous. So, do you have any concluding thoughts or any advice? For anybody that maybe is going to listen to this podcast and want to get into hunting, oh, and and get into hunting, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think anyone who wants to get into hunting, um, there's so many resources out there and and people. So the the one thing about social media, yeah, people are very accessible now. Yeah, uh, that I feel like if a guy and there's a few people in our office. Um, who are interested in starting to hunt. Yeah. Um, it's awesome that there's resources out there and they might have to wade through talking to a number of people to find someone who's, uh, you know, willing to, to work with them, share, work with them mm-hmm. or, or drop down to their pace for the sake of helping them get up closer to their pace. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyone who's looking to, to start hunting just, Start talking to people, and I think that going to trade shows yeah. would be a huge step in the right direction. Benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And don't try and do too much too fast. Yeah. Trade shows can be exhausting. Huh. Not in trade shows, but in hunting. Oh. <laughs> I thought you meant with trade, trade shows, shows. too. Trade shows. 5 yeah, a.m. No, no, yeah. Um, you know, realistic expectations yeah. Yeah, for as sure. you're starting out. For sure. Uh, small goals at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, Long-term goals instead of immediate, too, I would assume. Yeah, and um, not getting caught up in, in anything beyond the uh, the natural, you know, our instinctual draw toward hunting. Yeah. The basics. For sure. For sure. Right on, man. Well, it's a solid two hours. How do you feel about it? Yeah, man. Feel better coming out of it than you did going in? Oh, yeah. Are we... uh... I feel like that phone call in the middle loosened you up a lot. You think so? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But I edited it out so nobody knows what I'm talking about. Oh, good. Yeah, I had that one um, anxiety panic attack. (laughs) When everything was set up. Looking at you. That's the other thing about the the social media stuff is I can sometimes have some antisocial tendencies i'm so anti-social it's ridiculous <laughs> even though nobody would ever know it Ugh. yeah you are yeah, yeah i didn't i didn't i didn't pick that up at all it's a secret don't tell anybody so right what, what are we gonna do next we're gonna go have some dinner all right how's that sound is it over yeah we're done oh okay yeah thanks for tuning in to the show folks If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. 
We encourage this and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website, Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.